everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and I am joined by some wonderful people today, including my co-host Tiff. Hello. My co-host Dan. Ladies. And our special guest, Mr. Matt Riddle. What's up? Thanks for joining us, buddy. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. We are very excited. Uh, We are officially back from Origins 2015. How's everyone feeling? Anyone get hit with crud? No, I, I was clean. Yeah. I slept more this time. Oh, good. I didn't sleep a lot. I think I got hit with end of the year small children crud, though, from uh, the school year. I got something going on. Anywho, so we today are going to chat about Origins 2015, all the cool sights and sounds, what we played, what we bought, what we loved, and what everyone hated fervently. So... (laughs) Let's just jump right in. Uh, we're going to keep it loose and not really do any official segments. So this will just be Origins Recap, the whole show. So how was the con overall will be my opening question. Tiff, what do you think, Origins 2015? I thought it was pretty good. I, I think this every year I get a little bit better at doing cons and knowing what I have to do to keep myself healthy and to not have any kind of breakdown. So for the most part, I, I slept more. I ate better, slightly better. Except for the one night at the Three-Legged Mare where I had, like, a cornucopia of terrible British appetizers. But, um, yeah, other than that, it it was a good con. I got my badge quickly, uh, although there were some long lines that first day. But it it went pretty fast. Their new system seems to be working fine as long as the internet is up. But when it's not, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. We had, like, the best luck. We missed all the lines for everything. And we got there like a day late, but when we wandered in, just got our badges. Ben wasn't registered or something, so he had to deal with that, but Cal and I just left him behind. And <laughs> no, um, it was it seemed pretty streamlined, though. I mean, I got my badge on Wednesday, and usually there aren't that many people there. I mean, I don't remember there being that many people there on Wednesday ever, but this year there were all, it seemed like a ton. So it was a longer line than I was expecting, but I went through it quickly. Dan had to wait for a while, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, it was dumb. I was really pissed. I got all the way up there. I waited 25 minutes in line, and I get there, and they're like, oh, you're already checked in. I was like, nope, uh, I'm here. I'm right here in front of you. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, you had a press badge. All you had to do was go around the corner, and just your badge is there. Yeah. And I was but they like, didn't explain oh, that. That was not well, told did to they, me. Did you just not read something, though? No. Yeah. Sounds like user error to me. No, no they, error. I can confirm they did not tell you anything about it. I walked up the same thing. Fortunately, I had no line, and they were like, "Yeah, no, you need to go to that other room. We don't have your stuff here." So I'm the reason they probably knew where to send you because I had to stand there at the front for 15 minutes while they talked amongst themselves to figure out what the hell was going on. And then they're like, "Oh yeah, just go over here." And there was zero people in that room, yeah. and I was like, "I hate Moral you." Moral of the story: Pay for your badge. You won't have a problem. <laughs> More of the story, no. (laughs) It was definitely interesting because I saw somebody tweet a picture of like Origins 94 and it was exactly the same setup as Origins 2015. And I thought to myself, well played, Gamma. Well played. (laughs) Because I I like Origins. I guess maybe I'll do my little quick opener. I I, I do. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's easier to game. Like I played way more games with tip and dan that i have at any other con ever which was awesome so that's why origins is great because everybody i like is there and we get to play more games i even saw like you know rodney smith and i always joke around about how i never actually get to we met each other at the very first con we both went to before he was rich and big and famous and we played like automobile which was ridiculous 
great game, but I mean, whatever. Is that good? I've had my. I love it, dude. But it's super Martin Wallace spreadsheet. Like it's just every other Martin Wallace spreadsheet game, like on steroids. But it's really good. So Origins is great because it's way easier to play games with people that you like. But there's also sort of like you know this is our Ben and I's fourth Origins now, and it's you do kind of think to yourself, well, where's Origins going? I think attendance was up a little bit this year to like fifteen thousand, which is great. But it does sort of pale in comparison to the magnitude of Gen Con. So it, I guess it's all about the approach, and we definitely approach it as a chance to play games, and then it's a great con. But it's still just – I'm not sure they want it to be a great con sometimes. I feel like Gamma gets in, gets, gets in its own way a lot, and it's unfortunate because otherwise it's a pretty good setup. Columbus is amazing. The hall, it's a great facility. Everything else works. They just do things archaically, so it creates issues for people. Yeah, my big problem is the whole let's close everything at like 12:30 at night. It's like, come on, man! I drove all the way out here. I want to game with my friends, and you're gonna kick us out at like 12:30, one o'clock, whatever it is. And that yeah. that that part annoys me the most. Yeah, that was new I this think... year. It was pretty annoying. I think Tiffany's probably about to say what I'm about to say. I think it was her original thought, but maybe because there was so much dealer stuff going on in that hall. But it was still stupid because, yeah, 1 o'clock is too early. I mean, they were kicking us out early last year, too. So I don't think it's necessarily new. But uh, there is more dealer stuff in the hall. Plus, the whole cabs library is stored in there. So they need to have people monitoring that. And they probably don't want to pay people to stay overnight, I guess, for just like a table full of us. Because at 1 in the morning... That's pretty much who's there, I feel like. It, it's it's Gamma saying, hey, guys, you should probably go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think it stopped us, really. It just We just moved. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I guess it's pretty much down to that like that little 10-table blue noodle unpub slash us circuit at that point. You're right. There isn't a lot of other stuff going on. Um, there's, there's activity in the hallways generally, so I guess we could move out. To, we tend to, obviously, this year we ended up going out either to hotels or bars or whatever afterwards and trying to game there, which is not, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I didn't, I'm not a huge bar guy just cause I, at some point decided I wasn't going to drink very much like in general in my life. I mean, not at origins. And uh, so I don't mind, but it's not like, you know, I, I prefer the, I don't know. Like uh, to me, you're just, when you move to a bar, you're doing the same thing you tried to do in the hall, but having to do it louder. Because, yeah. you know, I agree. I hate the bar. I hate trying to game in a bar. Right. I don't mind going there just to hang out. That's what we're going to do. But if we're going there to game, it doesn't seem to work as well for me usually. But hey, whatever. It was still fun. Yeah, it's restrictive though. I mean, it. you're stuck with the filler games in your backpack and things like that. Right. Can't play all the good stuff. Um, yeah, I like this. This was my second Origins back to back. And Columbus is awesome. It really mm-hmm. is. Um, Tiff, you're lucky to be so close, man. Uh, yeah. I really dig it. And Kel was all about it. She like went... She came along, played a bunch of games, stuck with me the whole the whole way. We had been to, um, and it was a lot of fun. But she also like went out and worked out and like wandered around Columbus and just had a good time, kind of doing her own thing while Ben and I played games from like 7 a.m. until midnight. So it was just nice to have like a good local area where you can walk around. There's other things to do. There's great places to eat. It's just it's such a solid town. I'm just I'm really liking it, and I don't think that Indianapolis is as convenient. When I look at like the comparison to Gen Con, but maybe that's just me. It's a great place to live. You guys should move. Think of how great the <laughs> podcast could be if we all lived in Ohio. Indianapolis is fine, except there's yeah. mm, fifty-five thousand more people. Like it's just yeah. that yeah. makes everything feel smaller and less convenient. I think. Yeah. 
because um, there's a lot of good restaurants in Indianapolis. There's a lot of good restaurants in like Baltimore, except, you know, Umpub is in February and nobody wants to walk to them kind of thing. So true. Columbus well, is it'll good, be in though. April this year. So maybe we'll get to do some better eating. Baltimore's got a lot of good restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is or is the plan to keep Origins in Columbus for now? Because I know that they used to be like a moving con. They were kind of traveling. They were a little nomadic. It's been in Columbus forever. It now. used to be in Baltimore. Yeah. yeah, it's been like everywhere. It was. They did combined Gen Con Origins for right. a couple years. I'd be devastated if it moved. Yeah. I thought their deals to like 2020. I thought someone said, if I remember, when they, when people were complaining about Origins last year, the year before, I feel like it was through 2020. Gotcha. So, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with, you know, as everyone, I do like Columbus a lot, actually. I think it's a cool town. So I like the relative smallness, but still, like, all the cool stuff. Yeah. So. We found a place that's better to eat than Barley's, which I was very excited for. Oh, yeah, and also, I wanted a second one. Sorry, I wanted the second one Tiff said. Three-legged Mary made me feel awful. All, and it's, <laughs> like, I, I don't want to trash this, because I actually did, I did think it was a good idea, and I don't think there was anything wrong with the food, but it made me feel terrible. That's because you were like, hey, guys, here's a sausage-covered, hard-boiled egg wrapped in, like, bacon. (laughs) Why don't you give this a try? I'm really happy that I tried that because that is right up my alley. I don't know if you guys know about Scrapple. Yeah. But what a scotch egg essentially is is, like, a hard-boiled egg with Scrapple all around it, and then that's deep-fried, and that's amazing. But you shouldn't eat that in the middle of a con. con Even a third of a scotch egg, which is what I had, just did me in for the day. I was done as soon as I ate it. It probably was the scotch. Listen, I'm a huge fat guy, so I got, like, a pretty good, (laughs) you know, like, I have a pretty, like, stomach of steel. I eat a lot of awful things. And that it just wrecked me. Like I didn't eat again the whole next day. I just punted. I think I had like water and tea all day, and then I think that you know. was the day that I had veggies for dinner. I literally got like a hummus plate for dinner. <laughs> Do you guys have broccoli, celery? <laughs> we went to a pizza place, and I was like, "Well, I don't really like pizza. Secrets out. I'm not a p- pizza person." So I was like, "I'm getting the hummus plate, <laughs> especially the, deep dish pizza. You went to I a hate pizza it." Place and got a hummus plate. Where did I you even find a pizza place with a hummus plate? Where's your passport? Probably. Turn it Sorry. in. <laughs> <sighs> they, just, they just they ran next door and bought some haba or whatever that stuff is. Uh, or <laughs> haba? That's a game company. I know that they whatever that saraba or Sar- you know whatever that hummus is that everyone buys. And oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, but uh, the place that we went was connected to Smee's Hotel next to the Red Roof Inn. It's called the Flatiron. You guys ever oh. heard that? That place is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a little pricier, but we walked in late, like 10, 11 o'clock. They were still open, had good beer selection, had like a lot of specials like up on the chalkboard. So the menu was pretty small, but they had a lot of weird stuff that they were trying out. Server was awesome. You know, I, I was really happy with that. And I was mad that we found it so late because we spent all this time at Barley's, which is a great place, but you can only eat so much pub food, man. Like you guys are talking about, like it just gets heavy and starts weighing you down. And, uh, that's not that's not a good con feeling. I can't think through Alchemist when I'm I got like eight burgers in me and fifteen pierogies yeah. and things like that. That's the mistake that I always make because it's like the con is my the only vacation I take. So I'm like it's vacation. I'm gonna eat whatever I want. So when I do that, it's usually that terrible, awful pub food that I never get to eat. And yeah, yeah it's a also, mistake. Don't do it, people. But I do it every year. Go to the Northeast Market. Holy crap, we ate. Every Just meal, the North Market. 
It's just the north. Northeast, sorry. (laughs) Is Northeast Market in Baltimore? Is that what I'm thinking of? No, I think you're just making up markets. <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> no, that, that is like the best place. North Market's to go a jam. It Don't is. go eat pub food. Go to the North Market and eat a waffle or maybe you should have gone to the sushi. floating sushi. market. Oh, the hey, floating. Hey, hey. I see there. Shout out to polyhedral dice designer Matt Riddle. <laughs> <laughs> eat some uh, eat guava. Some fruit. So Dan, no, thank I, you. Oh, go ahead, man. No, I was gonna say I actually agree. If you could actually, we figured out, I think two years ago. Before we had like you know a billion people that we like to hang out with, that if you snuck out for dinner before six, you could do the floating market twice. Or excuse me, the north market. <laughs> Dang it, it, Dan! You could do the north market. I twice wish we had a little it, ding noise for every know, time. A. Ding. <laughs> so, because it, it closes at six, but if you sneak out there ahead of time, I also wanted to compliment you, Matt. That I always say to myself, if I'm looking for a good restaurant, look for one attached to a red roof inn, because that always, yeah. you know, spells a great restaurant. <laughs> So, Let's add that to our next con guide. Yeah, like look for Red Roof Inns. Red Roof Inns. And then attached <laughs> is a great restaurant. Go to the Flatiron. It's awesome. Right. I believe you. I believe That's you. almost the smartest thing at a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there. <laughs> I would say it was good despite being attached to a Red Roof Inn. It's probably. Go there. All Eat right. There. All right. It's good. All right. Anywho, let's get on to some games. Let's stop talking about food, although pretty much Origins is either food or games. Those are the only two things you're doing the whole time. So let's talk about the flip side, some games. Uh, Let's keep it positive for at least five minutes. Good luck with that. Matt Riddle, you got to play some games, even though you spent all your time demoing and doing fun stuff like that. What, uh, What really did it for you? Anything good? I did. You know, so like you said, we spent way more time than we always joke around that. For every year at Origins, we've never paid for a badge because we used to get them from Eagle Griffin, and then this year we got it from uh, Dice Hate Me. And we always make it very clear at the beginning that we're not going to work for those badges. Like, you're giving it to <laughs> us as a gift because that you like us, but we're not working your booth. Like, I don't want to sell copies of Viva Java all day. I'm just there to hang out. But because Monster Truck Mayhem is, like, you know, coming up, geez, whenever this posts, it's like Tuesday, June 16th. So Dang. really sting. So really soon... Um, we spent a crap ton of time demoing Master Truck Mayhem, which was fun because it's a really fun game to demo, honestly. So all day we spent a lot of time doing that, except for one day, I think on Friday or Saturday, we got to spend a little bit of time gaming in the middle of the day. So I'm trying to think back through, though. What's, um, I think the game I actually liked the most randomly is, what's that game, Dan? Sarasundabubu? Sansuchi. How do you spell that? S-A-N-S-O-U-C-C-I? Yeah, so that's the one. That was my surprise favorite game I played. It was good. I felt super limited um, because you only have like two things to choose from. And then even those two things only drive you to like two other choices. So you're really, excuse me, only choosing from like four choices. And but it was kind of awesome because it was like super puzzly. And I mean, I don't I don't think you'd be good at Sensuchi, which is actually one of my complaints with a lot of tactical games is that. You can't really be good at it because you have to just react to whatever you draw and do your best. But that's okay because that's fun. But that game was super cool. I mean, the theme was stupid and the art, you know, is like whatever standard German art. But I don't remember. I think you're building a garden, which is whatever. You're but building the, the, a garden for your nobleman to walk through majestically. That's it. <laughs> yes. Including some phallic shaped bushes and yeah. some mazes and some <laughs> other stuff going on there. But the game was fantastic. I really, really, really liked it. I think it's by Michael Kiesling, which is funny because so apparently him and Kramer only do some stuff together. He got to do that one by himself. So those guys are awesome, Kiesling and Kramer. So the fact that he did his own game by himself that was this good 
And the funny part too is I don't remember hearing a lot about it because I know it got Spiel des Jahres recommended like mm-hmm. last year, Dan, right? 2012, 11 or 12, I think okay. it was. It was a recommended. I'm looking at the BGU page. 13. 13. Okay. Oh, wait. It came out in 13, and it was recommended in 14, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. I was way way off. Yeah, that's all right. So the point is, it's good. Like I I know. I hadn't heard much about it, and it was really good. So that's probably my favorite random game of the con was San Suchi. No, I like that one, too. It was a... I went back through my BGG search history because I've been trying to update my collection since I got back. Apparently, I haven't updated it for a year. So I found that in there. At some point, I was looking at it, and I had just forgotten about it. So thanks, Dan. It's been on my want and trade list for a long time. I added it to my want and trade list, so we'll see what happens. And I got it for 20 bucks, which was awesome. That is a great deal. There's only 10 people trading it. Man, only like two of them are in America. That sucks. Yeah, I don't know if it had wide distribution in the U.S., Um when I was looking at it to buy before, I could only ever find it in like the import places. So I don't know, but it's a like you said, it's a really fun little puzzle game, super restrictive. But I liked really working it within those confines to kind of make my paths. And it it was immensely gratifying when you could take one of your noblemen and like just traverse the garden and like boom, yep. score done. <laughs> Agreed completely. That's actually, you know, that's one of those things where. I think probably as designers we do this a lot too, but I begin to look at, it's not necessarily like you said, I I couldn't convince myself that you could plan too far ahead, but Mm -hmm. like you said, you had super satisfying turns and you felt good about what you did and that's by itself a kind of a cool thing in games. Super Mm -hmm. satisfying turns unless you do what I did, which was like go out too far too fast and then I was like, I can't. ran out of gas on like row three and just stalled (laughs) for the rest of the game. Her little noble and like, I'm trying to get through this garden. Nope, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> they built a fence Thanks. in row four, and I was like, stop. I I'm did. not winning this game. <laughs> I felt so good at first. I was like, look at me, little points. And then I just, yeah, I got stalled. So now I know, and if I play it again, I'll do a lot better. Well, it's it's really cool because there's, there's a pacing to it. Whoa. Whoa. For those not watching. There is a pacing my, to it. My pop filter just smacked me in the face. <laughs> You call yourself a professional. There's a pacing to it, so you're scoring points the further down your your nobles move, but you could move them incrementally if you wanted to get more points because jumping from space two to five is worth five points, but you could also go two to three to four to five to get that um, 12 points instead. So you've got got 18 turns to work within. So I thought that was was really interesting. Boom, go all the way to the end. (laughs) That's kind of, I was like trying to do a ballsy strategy and it didn't pan out. Tiff shot her proverbial yep. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. real early. <laughs> no, I mean, it's funny, too, because that's one of those games that actually got, like, better in my memory as we got away from it, um, which usually to me means a good game because that means I was thinking about it and looking back at it in a positive way. Unlike, say, Deep Sea Adventure that I thought was legitimately clever and fun while playing it, and then the farther away I get, the more I hated it. I don't, I don't you mean the further positive. away you got from all of us and then tanked? <laughs> no, well... <laughs> Hey, That's remember actually... how you kill this all? No, but listen. You're the most sadistic diver out there. That's why that game didn't That's... work for you. Because no, you're I... like, oh, I'm just going to use up all the ox- oxygen for myself and dive all the way to the bottom of the ocean while you all die. That's it what was... happened every It was round. satisfying when Tiffany was one space away from getting back to the submarine and then it bombed out. That was actually kind of fun. 
But what is up with people? What is, what is it about me that makes it so satisfying for everybody to ruin my good time? It wasn't that is what people are into. It, it wasn't necessarily you. It was, you were the first. Shut you were the up. First, you chickened out, right? You were the first one to turn around and start hightailing back. And I, the issue was like, right at, if you'd asked me the next day, I'd say, oh, the game was actually, I think Katarski did. And I said, oh, that game was kind of fun. Like, I, I remembered it. Like, that was kind of fun, kind of neat. But then, like, each day since the con, it's got like worse and worse in my memory. Like, I, I, I only despise it now. He's like, I like cause... Vietnam flashbacks to his time <laughs> in the submarine. <laughs> because I just, I look back and said, I know we're supposed, to, we're supposed to stay positive. Sorry, Matt. But the only, you make one, you make one decision when to turn around. The rest of it's completely rote. You roll dice no, as far as they tell you to, because everything because you can count. Because you're deciding else. whether or not to take up tiles, and the tiles are what's going to use up the oxygen. So you yeah, can decide you... to put tiles down. You can decide to pick tiles up. You can decide not to keep going to the bottom of the ocean so everybody dies. There's a lot of decisions in there, Matt Riddle. I, I guess, but even picking up the tiles though is because the dice are all one, two, three. It's not you're not rolling one. You're not rolling a d6. You're rolling a d one, two, three. So your spread of numbers available to you on a roll are pretty limited. So you can know within some reasonable guess what everyone's going to roll, and therefore calculate how many turns you have before you run out of oxygen based on the fact that there's open information to, to what tiles everybody has or how many tiles everyone has. So it's very simple to determine it's not getting back to me this turn. Like, unless this crazy stuff happens or everyone puts the t- their their tiles down, but you can't because you can calculate that based on the tiles that are currently sitting in front of you because you can't put them back till after your turn and the oxygen goes down at the beginning of your turn, right? So I could know yeah. on my turn that how much oxygen was going to probably be left by my next turn. And if it was not positive, if it was zero, I'm just going to go deeper and sink everybody, which doesn't actually matter because it, I don't affect them anyway because by the time it gets back to me, we're all drowned. Whatever. I, no think, what the, I think what the designers assume on that game is that you're going to want to try to not drown. No, Every you're supposed time. to you're supposed to try to team up. You're supposed to like the idea of the game, which is legitimately clever. I want to make sure this is clear. I, I really appreciate it, the design more than the play. It's like there's a point where as a as a group, you need to say, We're all gonna die if we don't <laughs> put stuff down or you know, roll better. And that's theoretically fun. Actually, there's a thread on BGG I, I, I looked at, not on purpose because I somebody clicked on it, where they're Apparently, Yellow was maybe going to pick it up and then didn't because it was broke, quote-unquote, according to Yellow. Now, that's just one guy at Yellow saying this game's broke. But it's broke because of exactly what – it wasn't me and Dan. It was me and whoever it was realized that, well, if I can't win, we're all going to die. So we got zero. Do you remember, Tiffany, our game, no one scored a point. Three rounds, goose eggs for everyone. That was how our game went but down. That's because no one was working together. You have to have some kind of cooperation in that game. That has to be like the the – I don't know. I'm there's sure there's no some incentive. kind of psychological go good word for ship. that. There's a there social no, contract. There is no incentive. Exactly. Like Dan said, there's no incentive to help anybody if else. If you're because... playing with jerks, you're correct. <laughs> but <laughs> and, once you and... realize that, like, Tiffany and I don't remember who our other player was. Was it uh, Derek? Derek, Derek Boot now? Joe. Yeah. And Joe. So, Joe yeah, was I think there, it, was, yeah. it was actually Joe and I, I think, the one game. And maybe probably Dan and I. Know. So once you realize that, like, Derek and Tiffany turned around on, like, the second turn to be pansies and try to get one tile... You're just going to sink the bastard because there's no reason not to because you can't win. You're too deep. You can't get back to the submarine. So why am I going to help you by not picking tiles up? No, I, I get it. But you're, it's still like a pretty 
Okay. It's fun. But all that, all we that can just said, stop talking. About I know. It. We we played this in my group on Thursday and ran into some similar problems, but people did score because, you know, they're but not like said, if I can't have this treasure, no one will die. <laughs> like But I said all that. Which is said, what everybody at our table was, except was. me. I'm like, these guys are gonna be jerks. I'm taking one tile and heading back. No, like, you're right. You're right. Honestly, like you said, though, but I say all that to say I actually do legitimately think it's kind of neat. It's a neat game. I so. keep calling you guys jerks, but I love you all. Just you know. <laughs> hey, just to let you know, I will sink you next time we play it, too. Mm-hmm. Hey, Matt, what did not, you play? There's not to be a next time. Oh, my. Um, I, I watched that happen. I watched that whole game, and I was trying to figure out what is happening. And from what so I took, <laughs> from what I took away, it was a game about murdering everyone on a submarine. But anyway... Um, not what it's about. One of the things... It was a game of underwater genocide. That's basically yeah. what it was. So, anywho... It was like uh, Abyss. Abyss the game. Oh, jeez. That awful <laughs> 90s movie that I loved. I love that movie. I did This is an awesome movie. It is an awesome movie. When that like weird water snake shows up and saves everybody, and at the end there's aliens. Bam! Aliens out of nowhere. That's why it's awesome. I know. Spoiler. Oh, man. Anywho... Um, one thing that we did last year at Origins was we stumbled upon Roll For It, and for whatever dumb reason, Roll For It became the best pub game around. Uh, so we were on a quest to find the next like tiny filler pub game that was going to be awesome. So every time we ate, we were always playing a lot of little things. Um, we tried like Batman Love Letter, which wasn't bad. We tried Roll For It again, which was feeling a little tired after playing it a thousand times last year. Roll For It. At the heart of it is a horrible game. Oh yeah, no, it's so dumb, but it's so fun, and it's the perfect it is. game. It's entertaining to play while eating. I tried Costume Party, which wasn't a bad little game, but it's not a great little game. It's kind of dumb, um, but it was good for while eating. The game, the littlest game though, that I really enjoyed was Welcome to the Dungeon. Uh, and Welcome to the Dungeon was a pretty cool little game from Yellow. Ran like fifteen bucks, and it's essentially like a bidding's not the word, but it's like a push your luck kind of game where you're trying to build a dungeon out of monsters um you draw a card it's a monster card you either put it into the dungeon for someone to face eventually or you strip away the adventurer's gear um so eventually the the adventurer's going to have less and less gear and the monster stack's going to get higher and higher and somebody's going to get stuck trying to run through that dungeon and live super cool super quick the art's fantastic the production value is really good and i think it's priced pretty well it's not like a great mainstay game. You're not going to get more than one or two plays out of it in like a night. It's a good filler, though. And I really enjoyed it. And I know you guys tried it out, I think. We I played it. it. I liked it. Dan was it enamored all. with the spot gloss. Oh, that the... spot gloss. I just wanted to lick it. It was so nice. <laughs> like, it was just so It's probably sexy. more like it's a better looking game than it is fun, but it's still pretty fun. I think it's fun. I That game, have, have any of you guys played Gauntlet of Fools? It's no. a Donald X Vaccarino. It's it's kind of the same thing. You then start no. with some <laughs> whatever. We were just talking about Nefarious yesterday. Anyway, so it's the same kind of concept where you're like, you have a, a dude and you're like, I can go through this dungeon with like my hands tied behind my back. So you're you're pushing your luck and betting on these different tiles and then you go through the dungeon and it kind of destroys you. But um, this game is what I wanted that game to be. It's yeah. a much more elegant version of it. But yeah. what I have heard is if you have a conservative group, there's not much of a game there. Uh, One of my friends was playing it and said like after two uh, equipment tiles were taken, everybody would just bow out. 
Uh, well, we were kind of like that, like the first like three or four rounds until we just figured out, oh, like we had that all, we all had that like, oh, it clicked moment. And then we were just kind of like, then we were playing it, I think how it was intended, like a little more risky, trying right. to put other people in there, that kind of a thing. A little bit so, of bluffing about what's going into the dungeon, yeah. that kind of thing. Because once you kind of see how the monsters and the, the weapons and stuff like this work, it, it made sense. My biggest yeah. gripe was that they didn't keep the name of the original game, which was called Dungeon of Mandom. <laughs> That's way cooler than Welcome to the Dungeon. <laughs> I thought Welcome to the Dungeon was a great title, but man. Dungeon of Mandom. Come on. Is that a club in Baltimore? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Mandom. I know what street that's on, trust me. No. <laughs> no, I think that was actually probably Yellow's best offering. I was fairly unimpressed with what they had floating around. They had a lot of like gimmicky games. Is that like the trend now? They had a lot of things with like yeah. dart guns and like yep. the Master Fox where you wear a blindfold. Like they were cute. Get that out of here. It's feeling very it's going beyond family friendly to more like child friendly and yellow used to be a good source of like lighter filler type games that were fun and well produced but it's I'm, i wasn't impressed i had a lady demo that dark gun, but the, it's the penguin dart gun game pingo, i don't pingo. remember bingo bingo yeah, there you go and she was showing it to me and i was like kind of excited about that dart gun i want to shoot darts at you guys while we play <laughs> but uh that's Let's go buy a nerf was, gun yeah, maybe cool, I will. But for you the don't next shoot time. it at people. You shoot it at yeah. You shoot it. I'd rather shoot people. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh, you don't get to shoot people. Done. Well, I, I actually think to Matt's point, and there is legitimately a a push for these. You know, the, like the, it's like the toy factor, right? That came with Camel Up, and it came with you know, um, Cash and Cash and Guns has the gun, right? And mm-hmm. so there is something legitimately attractive about games that have that toy factor. Uh, I do think we're probably not not reaching critical mass, but it's definitely like sometimes the gimmick is there and the game isn't. Like even a heavier game with a gimmick like Rattlebones that's awful, you know, where it's got a really that the dice are clever, but the game isn't isn't there at all. So I hate that game. Oh, well, sorry, so I was trying to hold it in. It's so Every, everybody Ugh. does. So, but there's definitely a, a push for. You know this because I think they sell at cons and they sell at stores and they get buzzy. Like when it works, right? They work. It works really well. Okay, like for example, what was last year's Fun Farm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is anybody out there buying Fun Farm anymore? It was hot at the con. Maybe it's maybe it hit toy stores. Maybe it does okay at toy stores, but I didn't see a presence of it at this con. It didn't last. You know, it's just there's but I those still play games. That game. It's a good it's, one. No, it is good. I like Fun Farm. I'm just I I mean those kind of things tend to come and go very quickly and they're yeah. trying to That's catch true. fire even like i bought you know going back to a game that games we bought and played i bought monster tort which is monster cake i think in english and it's amazing i mean so me and joe and tiffany and dan played on a ridiculously awesome joe Pinfecto oh is game. this the spoon game yes oh yes, yes please talk <laughs> about the spoon game. it was fantastic so joe joe pinchback is my design partner ben's brother he's a pretty stoic kind of like laid-back guy and it was Love pretty it. fantastic to play Monster Tort or slash Monster Cake with him and Dan and Tiffany because it you feel like a big kid. And the game is there's a bunch of wooden marbles in you like you literally take the top off. It's a it's a hobby game by the way, and you literally take the top off the box and in the box is like a little like say two three inch shelf and then into the box is just a picture of like a bowl and then inside that. There's all these marbles rolling around. 
you get a wooden spoon that, by the way, doesn't have like the scoop. It's like it's very shallow. It's yes, and it's like the actual edge of the wooden spoon thing is probably quarter inch, little maybe a little bit taller. So you can't just like slide underneath and pick it up. It's hard. And then you're real time. You flip over a card that has like four marbles on it, say blue, green, pink, and orange. And then it's the first one of everybody playing to scoop out four marbles and put them in their little bowl. And it's amazing. And that's it. and then immediately with adults, it turns into like whacking each other with spoons and playing defense and knocking the marbles off when they're trying to carry them up. But it was really fun. And I brought it home, played with my girls. They got a huge kick out of it, actually. We played it a couple times since I got home from the con. And it's just a silly, fun kids game. And I actually was talking to – I bought the last copy. It was the demo copy. And I was talking to the yellow lady who's – or, excuse me, the hobble lady who's very nice. And she said they've had this game for a couple of years and got ignored, basically. And then suddenly this con, it just hit because it was somebody was playing it. Somebody else saw something. It's one of those kind of things. You can't – not enough you, – you, you can never plan on that happening. But it's a legitimately fun gimmick, and they sold all the copies they had there. They never expected to do that. And, you know, who knows if they'll print a bunch more or not. But it was super fun. I mean, it was just one of those kids. Because my, my daughters are 10 and 11, and um, my 11-year-old is a begrudging gamer. Like, she'll play certain games with me. My 10-year-old couldn't care less. Lily Cakes just doesn't want to play games with me, unfortunately. And... I put I push a lot on <laughs> a lot at them. A lot. I push a lot at them and see what sticks. But I hadn't. We'd kind of moved away from the true kids games. It was fun, frankly, to go backwards to what really is a game for probably five year olds. But it was fun, even for a ten and eleven year old and their dad to sit there and try to scoop marbles into a cup as fast as you can. And they get they're just as good at it as I am. So I think Emma won the first game we played, or maybe Lily did, whatever it was. But and those are there's just some simple joy that could be had in those kind of games. Yeah. So I was really glad I found that. That and Rhino Hero. I was about Rhino Hero. See, Tiff awesome. and I don't get the credit we deserve for Rhino Hero because we discovered that at Gen Con last year on Wednesday and played mm-hmm. it, and then everyone bought it. We got no credit. That's okay. That's what we do. Well, we're trendsetters the, here. The cool that's thing okay. about cons is that some games, like you guys were kind of alluding to, catch fire specifically because of the con environment. And it's more so those gimmick games that look cool when you see people playing it. You're like, why are you stacking cards? Why are you... Like, I was playing Alchemist, and my brain was fried, and I heard you guys screaming and yelling and poking each other with spoons. That's because Riddle kept like, slapping my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I need to go I was see like stabbing Joe. I wasn't even slapping. Yeah, so I like took a break. I was like, okay, I need a break from this anyway. So did my turn, and I walked over, and I was like, this looks awesome. But that's the only... You know... I wouldn't have ever known that that game was floating around unless I was at the con and saw it. And if I saw someone playing it, like a picture of it online on Twitter or something, it doesn't have the same effect as watching four grown adults be weirdos, smacking each other with spoons and screaming loudly at each other. Like it was hilarious and looked like fun. So some of those games really do well at cons because of that fanfare that kind of is created. And yes, I've got two, two of the original Rhino Hero Excuse me, <laughs> Rhino Hero. I don't. What are you? Pioneers. Pioneers. Is that the we appropriate are, uh, word? Yes. Yeah. Like Tesla, Edison, Halstead, <laughs> yeah. Bonson. I same, got you. I same got vein. You. But all right, More let's transition from that. So talking about games that probably for me will only work at a con. Let's talk Spyfall. Let's just get that out of the way because well, that was. I want to talk about it because well, I want to talk about, about it. Tiff doesn't want to talk about it. Tiff, <laughs> Tiff just backed out it. like she did during the game. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, if you were in Baltimore, I'd slap you right now. So Spyfall has been all the craze since, I guess it, I don't want to say it debuted at BGGCon, but I think that's when it, again, caught fire in that con setting. 
and everyone was talking about it. And um, Upper Deck, I think it's Upper, it's Upper Deck, Cryptozoic. right? Cryptozoic. Cryptozoic, same thing. Awesome. Yeah. Same thing. Anyways, um, they had a limited release. I think they had like 50 copies of it 120. Here. All right, or 120, same thing. <laughs> I grabbed one. It was 20 bucks. I said, all right, let's see what all this is about. If anything, it may be good for a couple of laughs at like 1 a.m. at the bar or something like that. And we broke it out. What night did we break that out? Friday, I guess it was. Uh, we played it twice. It must have been Friday and Saturday, I guess. Maybe. Did we play it twice? No, we, we, just played, well, we played it twice in the same night, just in yes, different you're settings. Yes, right. Yep, yep, yep. I think it was Friday. So anyways, we broke it out. And what Spyfall is, is there's it's three-day players, and one person is dealt a spy card, and the other people, the other seven people, are dealt location cards that have roles on them. And it's actually this really kind of it's I it's pretty genius actually <laughs> it's how simple it is but how fun um, it turns out to be. You basically ask each other questions and you're trying the spy is trying to guess where everyone else is. So there's like 30 locations in the game, and the other people are trying to guess who the spy is. And so you're asking these questions and you're trying not to answer too detailed but you're trying to like ask people you think are the spy to just make sure they aren't this it's just got this real like psychological mind f to it um and it's hilarious when it goes wrong like what happened to mr riddle in one game because <laughs> you just start cracking up but um for me that's a game i think I, I don't know i don't know if i would enjoy that as much sitting around the house playing it i just thought in the like kind of the, the delirious atmosphere of the con, it was really funny. Couple beers in you, and I don't know what did you guys think? Because I know Riddle, you played with us, and then Matt, I let you borrow my copy the next day, and you guys played a game as well. So I don't know. I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, I it's hard to separate sometimes those games from the con setting, and I think that is one that was far and away, you know, favorable to the con setting. And it was fantastic. I mean, like you like you alluded to, I mean, without breaking down the game rules, basically you're trying to guess where everyone's at. So if, you, if you're the spy and you don't know, you're trying to answer questions as vaguely as possible, but as confidently as possible, so that people don't realize that you don't know where you're at when they ask you this question. So for example, you know, it was like this third question in, Ben goes, hey Matt, can I borrow your coat? I said, no dude, it's freezing. And then, bam, we were at the beach, right? And I didn't know that because I'm the spot. <laughs> so, but, you know, it's, I, I just, I went full confidence. I went quickly, tried to just, you know, I first thing that popped in my mind, basically, when he asked the question, because if you overthink it, a lot of times, and that, that's sort of the game, right, is, well, Matt doesn't know we're at the beach, so he must be the spy. And obviously, when I say it's freezing, everyone knew that it was I was the spy, and that game was over in like five really minutes. done, Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the game is brilliant. I mean, it's a thing, it's one of those games with a, a singular idea, and it's a really good idea. Um, I didn't buy it simply because, you know, maybe back, maybe for like my family vacation where we're all sitting in the same kind of setting, it's kind of like a con where we're all trapped in a house, we might play it. I'm never playing with my game group ever. Not, you know, it wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even bother. I, I wouldn't want to, honestly, because if I'm oh, with those guys, <laughs> exactly. When I'm with those guys, I'm there to play a, a game, not an experience. So that's probably why I didn't buy it. And we don't like back when my kids were very little, we were the first ones to have kids of our friend group and we would drag them wherever we would play 20 words, 25 words or less. And to all those word games, that everyone plays to boo all that crap. And um, that setting might transfer. Okay. To that game, I guess. So, but I, I guess I'm just a really long way to agree with you that I do think it's a bit of a con game, 
more than a weekly play. Yeah, I had a good time with it, though. I, I think that we have an occasion where we end up with like six, seven, eight people floating around and they're very different in terms of skill level. And I think that it would pro- provide us an opportunity to all play a game together in the same setting, like at home, without having to divide into different groups and things like that. Because when we have like the girlfriends and my mom and, you know, my little brother, who's not like a big gamer, I think we can swing it in the home setting. But I agree, it's like a special occasion. It's not going to be like Ben, Dan and Smee and I sit down and uh, and and break open Spyfall. So I don't know, but I did have a good time. I played it with Eric. I played it with Smee. Steve, like people that I haven't played this kind of games with before and to watch like Smee open up a little bit is always funny and and things like that. I think that it's a cool <laughs> I think it's a cool experience um, and it's clever. I think that the, the real clever thing is the little roles on there about like, oh, I'm at the carnival, but I am the ticket taker and I'm the guy I'm the engineer. So when people were answering questions, I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense if you're at the amusement part. But I thought it was pretty cool. What do you think, Tiff? <laughs> All right, so... Tiff couldn't listen, handle it. What's up, Tiff? Listen, listen. I might be the only person in the world incapable of enjoying a game like Spyfall. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I feel so bad about this. So here's the thing. There are a lot of key words that have been said that just immediately make me nervous. First of all, lying. I suck at it. I can't do it. Uh, I have no poker face, and I've been told that on multiple occasions. Confidence, not a thing that exists in me. So feigning confidence, lying about confidence, even worse. <laughs> okay. Um, and and like coming up with things quickly and on the spot, no. I don't like no embarrassment. Steve was <laughs> <don't>... playing. <laughs> Steve took about 15 yeah, minutes. Steve, whether he was a spy or not, was like, uh, <laughs> how do I answer this? We were like, That was hey, before he was threatened to be killed by some random drunk guy. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. That, that was... really did happen. That did. You know, I felt bad because I think I, I actually I, I don't know Steve as well as you guys. So I'm like, either this is like a genius ploy where I'll, he'll take five <laughs> minutes to answer every question. So you'll never suspect him because every question. And then like when he had to ask a question, he'd be like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> he would kind of just hang out or, you know, the, ga- the game has a clock, right? I'm thinking to myself, all right, Broham, you've now spent like. Two and a half minutes of our eight-minute clock, which is cool because Steve's a good dude and the game still worked okay. But he just wasn't in a hurry to whether he was the spy See, and, or not. And it would have really sucked if I had been in that game too because I can't, like, I cannot be quick about anything. Steve I'm a, I'm a bass Tiff player. A Everything I do is slow. <laughs> so I don't know. I, it just doesn't jive with me as a person. And I, I was like, okay, I'll watch around. And I watched around. And it looked fun. And I'm like, I get it. But like. I just can't, once it got to me to ask a question, I'm like, I can't, I, I overthink everything all the time. So it just, it just doesn't work for me. Maybe it would be better if with my play group here at home, because I'm a little bit more comfortable there, there were three people in that group that I didn't know. So that makes it hard. Plus when I'm at a con, I'm gaming with people like Matt Riddle. I want to bring my A game, even in a social game. And so I'm all self-conscious. It just doesn't work out for me. So sorry, Spyfall, I hate you. <laughs> that's why i made kel go play i was like kel go play this game with these people you don't know you'll get to know them very quickly i didn't bring my a game but i brought the i game. enjoyed watching it all right well the flip side of that is the big euro of the con that dan and tiff were super excited about matt i don't know if you were interested in it but marco polo so i, kn- I didn't get a chance to play it how was it is it awesome was it worth it i like marco I like- polo 
I played it twice. The first time we did do a couple of things wrong, but uh, essentially, Matt, as I've talked before, Marco Polo is dice placement game, kind of think Kingsburg, Alien Frontiers, those kind of games. Um, where, and it's it's one of those games that just has that traditional Euro feel. It does. It's got a very familiar feel to it. You're collecting resources. You're uh, completing contracts. You're moving across the board and you're placing worker kind of things. But um, for me, where this game stood out, there was a couple of things. Um, the variability uh, in the different setups. So there's like a stack of cards and player powers and all these things that can change from game to game. So that was interesting. Um, the, and the player powers. The player powers are what kind of really set this apart from your traditional Euro fair for me because they were just ridiculously overpowered. And it was one of those instances, kind of like Abyss, the game, where it's like, if all the things are overpowered, are any of them overpowered? And it was just working within, again, the confines of your power to kind of best execute a strategy. And also the dice placement mechanic was a little bit different because there was there was scarcity, but you were never blocked out of anything. And it was a really neat little mechanic where if you put a die in a place, you know, you got resources equal to the pips based on the spot but also if someone else was there before you um, you could place a die but you had to pay your pips worth in gold before you could execute that action so it it worked really neat especially on the spaces that had like more than one die were required to take that action so if you put like a six a six and a two you're not executing that six action but you need those six pip dice just to you know, for quantity purposes, you're executing off of the two and paying off of the two. So it was a, it was a neat little thing to kind of wrap your brain around. I know Riddle, you played it with me and Patrice the second game yep. where we actually played the rules somewhat correct. <laughs> yeah, I I liked it actually. That's a, that's one of those games too. I think where it got better as I got away from it because immediately my reaction was, okay, well, there's not really anything different or new here. You're putting dice on the board as workers. It was fine. But it didn't feel terribly. It felt pretty standard Euro. But really, it isn't. Because there is, like you kind of mentioned, that clever dice mechanic where you can sort of go back into a spot. And so then it's just really worker take or worker blockage, right? Where someone took the spot I wanted, which it's you know, nothing terribly exciting or interesting there. But it was it worked well in this setting because there's usually enough different spots where you had something you wanted to do. And if you really wanted a spot, you could go kind of a little bit overpay for it, which was kind of fun. So I, I think what really, honestly, the, the farther I got away from it, what really I thought was neat was kind of like you said. So you you give me a relatively, you know, recognizable, you know, comfortable Euro package with some with a little dice mechanic, and you're placing workers, and you're doing some traveling like every other game you ever played. But then you hand me a tile that just breaks a gigantic rule, not like a little tweak on a rule, like literally breaking a fundamental rule of the game, and everybody gets one. And now it's just play the game with your own personal, completely broken rule. And it's super fun. Like, my rule was I didn't have to roll dice, which is kind of ridiculous. I mean, I get to just use whatever dice values I wanted. I'm like, well, this is insane. But then, like, Dan's getting – Dan Patrice, I think, was getting, like, a free – He didn't extra have to die yeah. every. So he's getting an extra action, which is also ridiculous. And then you were getting, like, free stuff. So it was, it was actually – the fact that they got those powers to all work and I didn't feel like – any one of us had distinct advantage is pretty genius, honestly. Like they should. I know it's the uh, the Zulkin guys, mm-hmm. and like even Zulkin's the same thing, really. Frankly, Zulkin's a relatively standard Euro with one awesome. You know, the wheel mechanic is so cool because it works really well. 
So to their credit, I guess they made a comfortable package of a game that is familiar in a good way, and then they turned it on its head and made it really fun. So if you'd asked me immediately after playing it, I'd been like, that was pretty good. But then the longer I get away from it, the more I think back to it, I really, really did like it a lot. What do you think, Tiff? I was worried about that because I hate Zolkin. Like, I really hate it. But this is, I think this one is way more open than that kind of a game. That that game, I feel so, like, I screw up the timing of everything in that game. I'm just not good at it. So, uh, and it takes longer than I want it to take. But, yeah, I, I dig Marco Polo. I, I can't remember what rules we were messing up. So, I'm curious to see how that affects my uh, plays of it subsequently. But, I kind of almost won a game there, so that was happy. It was a tie. But... <laughs> we did tie. Oh, yeah, you guys tied in, on all the tiebreakers, too. We shared a victory. Too. Yeah. We tied. Yeah, we tied all the tiebreakers. Satisfying. I liked it. I won every game I played of it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tiff, yeah, that's one probably of the, why. One of the games that I'm like, I was really into and that I want to love, I'm up in the air about after my second play, what did you think of Trombone? I like trombone. I think yep. I played it twice. Uh, yep. Once with Dan, once with W. Eric Martin. And uh, I, I mean, I think it's kind of like Lost Cities, like where you're balancing what you want to do versus like how you're helping your opponent. So I like that aspect of it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess what we have found is that the, the scores are kind of swingy. So there can be really huge, like Dan and I played one morning and then two of our friends, uh, Ruth and Copac played later and their scores were so different from ours they thought we had played it wrong and we didn't congratulations Dan Um, (laughs) got one right so so I don't know that rule we got wrong in Marco Polo I did not never mind I'll leave that you were firing on all (laughs) cylinders this con Dan I talked cacao like seven times oh we haven't even gotten there yet so so I don't know trombone's good (laughs) All right, let's Let's just talk about the game of the con. What the heck is so good about cacao, and should cacao. I buy it? Nobody can give me a straight answer. Not the game of the con. That is the game I think... that I saw more people playing than any other game. Cacao. What's cacao? cacao. Are we gonna Are we gonna keep doing that? All right. I'm not sure I it is that good. I play it more than anything else. It's yeah. kind of just like easy to play. It's like, exactly. oh, we we got 20 minutes. Let's yep. play cacao because I know how to play it and it's easy, exactly. and I can teach it in five. It's almost like benign, like in a, in a good way though. Yeah. Like it's you're not gonna say, oh, cacao is amazing, but no one's gonna hate cacao either because it's fine. I mean, yeah. it, it's, and it's, it's nice and familiar, and exactly. I don't know. No, it's a nice twist on a familiar idea of just laying tiles in a grid, and each little decision's fun. It's not mind blowing. It's not great, but it's pretty good, and it's pretty good, and it's quick, and it's easy to teach. Like there's like four rules, so it kind of falls into that category. Like Tiffany said, it's not. That it's a great game, but it's a pretty good game that is the exact right length and the exact right weight. It's like a perfect game for a half an hour with an easy teach. And when you're done, you're like, oh, that was pretty good. And then, you know, to me, it's like the perfect seven. You know, it it deserves to be a seven. No one should give it a nine because there's not enough there to be really that great. But no one should pound on it either. It's a perfect little quick, easy to teach tile laying game. Now... If you broke it down, you might, you know, like, really, it's just sit to the left of the dumb guy because he's going to leave you a bunch of scoring <laughs> opportunities. So there's a little bit of that going on, but that's okay in a tile layer that takes 25 minutes. Well, you were sitting to the left of this guy, and there was no dummies present. There, I, there, we had a pretty tight game of cacao. Cacao! So I think I thought I had a shot, but then the person to the 
sitting to my left. Hmm, maybe that was the dumb guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mr. Grazier, I believe, won the game. So, mm-hmm. no, it, it's a fun game. It, I, I think it's exactly, it's just exactly what it should be. It's, it's a perfect little 25-minute tile. Everywhere I turned, I just saw people playing cacao. And I was like, damn it, do I buy this game? Here's the thing. Like, I, I get roped into playing a lot of fillers just because of the, the board game club kids and the amount of time that we have. Plus, my group has been meeting on Thursdays, and by the time everybody shows up, no one wants to play anything. So fillers are like my meat and potatoes these days. And cacao makes me feel like, hey, I'm almost playing a Euro game. Almost. Yeah. So I think it's a nice filler plus, You're I guess. playing 70% of a Euro game? Right. No. <laughs> 60 maybe 60 yeah, oh, okay sorry sorry carcassonne it's it's yeah. definitely easier than carcassonne and shorter and less like i we didn't we don't play much carcassonne because it just it was one of those games we played really early on in our game development and we just haven't got back to it much but it's i like it better than carcassonne because it's a little bit easier and just as fun i mean carcassonne the scoring I like is simpler to teach is the way i love exactly. carcassonne i think carcassonne is probably the better game but it's so much easier to teach cacao right i think they're i think msrp is for like 35 bucks i mean you can probably get it for 25 or 30 which is a pretty good that's a good price point for it i've played it seven times and i'm i'm in no rush to play it again like yeah i don't want to play it anymore. there's only so much i can explore in that jungle that's on my table after like six or seven times that, so, no, that's that's a good point. Actually, it's too green for you, Dan. You're probably gonna you probably you overplayed it. You know, in a short period of time for game. That, that game is more of the occasional. Oh, that was fun to play again. Actually, I want to bring one up. Um, who else played Elysium? Not Dan it. and Matt did. Okay, so this is this is probably the <laughs> this is the game that I'm the most torn on because I feel like the game is actually pretty good, and the issue that I have with it is my issue, not the game's issue. So. The Elysium was super hot, right? Super buzzy ever since uh, beginning of the year, really. I, I think it finally came out. This is the first it just came out in the like US it was available, ago. right? Yeah. Okay. So that was a pretty buzzy game. It sold out. I'm not sure how many copies they had. I've heard a lot about it. You know, I wasn't I didn't know what I was getting to going in, and I wanted to kind of just experience it. I liked it, I didn't love it, and I kind of got annoyed throughout the course of playing. But that doesn't mean it was the game's issue, it might have been my issue. The 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 drafting mechanic, which is literally you've got four really well-made, you know, pegs that are basically colored. So you've got a red, a green, a blue, and a yellow, or whatever it is. And everyone's got the same four colors, and then you're you're just drafting cards. So you lay out, like, player count times three or whatever it is, cards. And you're just drafting these cards, and you're to blue, to blue, to blue, to blue. And then <laughs> you have a thing at the end where you get to take cards from one side of your tableau where they're helping you. And then you put them below. So like the whole idea of having a card that gives you a power and then you have to turn it into BP is pretty standard. And it's just set making it after that. So there's nothing terribly interesting there. But the draft mechanic is really cool because you have to spend like the right color because the cards requ- – certain cards require like you have to have a yellow peg still to claim that card. Which means if you're going to use a yellow peg, you're not going to get that card later. And that's legitimately fun. The issue that I had was is – you know, like a lot of games, be good at Elysium. Well, you can't be because you're stepping out 12 new cards each round. There's no carryover, and you're just guessing. You don't know what you're going to see the next two rounds or next four rounds because it's a five-round game. So you're just going to try to react to the 12 cards that come out. And then you can't really plan that there either because you don't know what everyone else is going to take. So each individual turn is its own entity of try to grab something 
that might help you overall. But you also only see like what a third of the cards in the deck. So all that adds up to it's impossible to make an informed decision. So you just make the best possible decision, which again is okay. It's not always a bad thing in games. So that hurt, but that's my personal issue. I have an issue with that in a lot of games. So I think as a game though, it was actually pretty good. I, I mean, it was fun. It, it wasn't too long. Um, I, I think it's one of those games where you're going to fall into card combinations that make you do a good job, but not because you were good at the game because you just kind of fell into it. So people like that, honestly. People like when these cards will start working together, even though they didn't really have anything to do with it. And that's okay. I don't think that's a problem. It's just not my bag. So I liked Elysium. I didn't love Elysium. I wouldn't play it again. Like I, I don't have any net. I don't have any need to play it again. But I'm glad I experienced it. It was a, It's okay. Well, I, I largely agree with you. Um, I only played it once, and we played on the beginner setup. And my big problem was, I was like, okay, this is well made. I'm enjoying it. I get, I like the idea of it, but I felt like I wasn't getting the card combos that I wanted. And I attributed that to, okay, we played the beginner setup, and I just didn't know what to do. But hearing a guy that's much more intelligent than me have the same issues makes me think, okay, well, maybe there might be more to the game system itself. And I felt like I didn't have much control over my own scoring opportunities that's unfair to say because i do i pick the cards that i draft but the idea of trying to set make or set collect across several rounds and you don't know the composition of the cards and you don't know what's coming out it's just unsatisfying to be like okay i got a two and a three and all i need is a one there's no ones that come out or you grabbed the only one that was left or something like that like and then that all that invested time is for not now. And it wasn't because I played poorly. It's because I chose the wrong color to invest in two turns ago. So I don't know. No, that's that's I, I think I felt exactly the same way. I think that's what the game is. I don't think, you know, and that again, I, I, that's probably not a problem for a lot of people. I just felt the same way about race. but We played race a million times. So that means it's a good game. But at some point in race, you just don't see the cards you hoped you saw. And. You know, but I'm not sure this game is half as clever as Race. Well, and I guess my real problem is, am I going to spend $60 on a game that gives me that feeling? And no, yeah. I, I don't think that it's fairly priced, and I think that it's kind of like our argument for Abyss. It's a bit overproduced for what it is, and they've slapped a nice... It's the expected price. Like, I expected them to price it at 60 bucks, but I think it's a $40 game with a $60 right. price tag that I should be able to buy online for 35 bucks. Right. So, No, it's a super neat drafting mechanic, and then otherwise okay game yeah. that probably costs a little too much i agree that's a good that's a pretty good review i put it on my trade list i've played it five times but oh, you just, played it five times yeah i think that's probably what you're gonna get out of it right it just it it lacks something well, that's a pretty good i mean I, I would i would argue that five plays and trading it is about what you expect out of most games right like yeah. most games fall into that range for me and that's probably because like anybody you know you not that i'm burned out because i'm not i still love games but the more the longer you play games, the more you're less impressed, right? By mm-hmm. on a game to game basis. So, honestly, I, if I get five plays in a trade, eh, I'm okay with that. Like that was, you know, there's value in that. I'm not mad about it. I'm yeah. just, I was a little bitter that they were giving away play mats with the copies. And when I bought it, I did good looking play mat. A couple promo cards. I was like, all right, thanks guys. <laughs> and then when I asked them if I could buy the playmat because, hey, I supported you last week instead of today, they're like, oh, yeah, if you buy another game. I was like, no, I already bought your game. <laughs> well, and then you tried to buy another game, and they're like, that game's not big that enough. That game's not big enough for us to give you the mat. I'm that like, game doesn't count. I'm like, yeah. you guys are the biggest like board game company You were trying in the world. so hard. <laughs> 
So that was mostly positive, right? That that counts as positive. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, I, can, now I can talk about craft. I, I was gonna say, hold on, hold on. Were there any other okay. like big winners before we go south? Because I have a game to talk about negatively too. But any other gems? I have a couple. High society. Um, <laughs> oh my god, awesome. I'm so bad at those games. Let's not talk Why? about that. One. I love high society. So Tiff, what you got on the winners list? Um, so there is, I guess this probably goes in the vein of hipster games because Matt Wolf showed it to me and it's in German. We need a hipster. Give us a hipster highlight. This is tip. the con edition of yeah. the hipster highlight. Uh, Gib Gas is a game which actually Dan had mentioned to me uh, prior to Matt Wolf. So we'll give the Dan OH the credit here, on that. The original hipster. What up? <laughs> okay. So this is just like a stupid chaotic game, but it's kind of one of those. I would say it's the like perfect kind of just sitting around trying to talk game. Okay, um, so it's a race, or I guess it's a race. You put down four cards. The four cards say, uh, you know, the the fastest person this round gets five points. The the slowest person crashes and loses two points. And then if you ever play the same card as someone else, you crash and lose X amount of points. So you ha- you all have the same hand of speed cards, and there are a couple special cards that let you repeat your last speed or take a pit stop and get cards back, stuff like that. So you're it's just simultaneous action reveal. You play a speed, you all reveal it once, and then you see what chaos ensues. It's kind of stupid, but I probably played that just as much as I played Cacao. And I introduced it to my group on Thursday and it went over pretty well with them too. Even the ones that aren't like super big into games liked it a lot. So I don't know. I like the racing theme and I, for me, I thought once through your hand would have been perfect and then just stop the game. I just thought continuing to pick up your cards and go through that giant deck. It just, it just dragged on for me. I thought it was, I thought for me it was more clever. Like, it's tops 20 minutes, Dan. I know, but it didn't... I don't know. I just thought it was more clever to kind of deduct what people were going to play. And then when they reset before you, it's like, oh, that just opened it back up again kind of right. thing. Right. Yeah, so, I could see that for sure. It was but, it was okay. I'm not rushing yeah. out to get it. I like... I'm kind of in the middle of you two. I actually thought it was pretty darn good. Um, but then I did like the first round better because at that point you truly were... There was a deduction aspect then because you only have right. – it's funny because it has a little bit of the um, – it has like the Exit Empires where everyone has the same colored deck of cards, right, which is kind of cool. And obviously it's a mechanic that I like, ding. And, um, ding. Ding. So I, I got a kick out of the first round the most because it's fun to sort of say everyone has their 230 or whatever and maybe they'll play it, maybe they won't. It did break down a little bit as it went through, like Dan said, where – once you kind of lost the deduction aspect because your hands were resetting different paces. But I still liked it. I actually thought that game was pretty darn good. I talked to Dale Yu, the designer, and I was curious about it because I'm serious. You know, maybe I'm misrepresenting what he said because I kind of walked into the conversation. But I feel like he kind of said it's already sort of played itself out. Like there wasn't any interest in American publishing and the German company that had isn't reprinting it. So I thought that's what he said. Maybe he can correct me if he listens to this. But um, it's too bad because I think it's a clever, you know, I, I think it's kind of a neat game. It's fun. I mean, it's fun. It's chaotic and fun, and that's what I liked about it. And it's all in German, but it doesn't matter. No, I that think didn't. We have fun pretending to be German anyway. <laughs> What's the word for breaking, Dan? Do you remember? 
I don't know. You and I are just making up words as we played. <laughs> We're speaking terrible German the entire time. All right, so <laughs> so negativity time. No. Matt Riddle, I'm giving you no, no, everyone across the board. If you have a game that you weren't too happy with, you got one minute to say what you need to say. And Dan, right, for Craft right. Wagon, I'll give you a 30 second rebuttal. Did you say Craft Wagon? Craft Wagon. Are you Craft Wagons? One minute, I'm timing. All right, got it. I'll, you can you can ring a bell when I'm done. So, Craft Wagon. Here's the issue with Craft Wagon. Craft Wagon, yeah. I love Matthias yeah. Kramer. Like, love him, love him. Like, he's, you know, a no, total I'd man have his babies. So. Exactly. Lenmore's amazing. Lancaster's amazing. Rococo is amazing, amazing. So that's three fantastic games that I love. So Craft Wagon, I, I, I was like, you can't see because it's radio. But I'm way up here, right? Like, I'm I'm like, yes, Craft Wagon. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. And then I'm playing Here's it. Your and problem. I know. But the second round, I'm like, and I said this out loud. I'm like, so... The whole Glenmore for actions thing is stupid because you want all the actions. So there's no tension in the Glenmore for actions. So basically, real quick, you do the Glenmore where you, you can go as far ahead as you want to take the actions and then you resolve those actions elsewhere on the board. That wasn't fun because unlike Glenmore, I didn't really care what I got as often. I just took what was next most of the time. And if I skipped ahead, it was like one or two spaces at the most um, because you needed all of the actions all of the time. It was very rare that I didn't need an action. So I always felt like whatever I wanted to do, I would just do. So that mechanic wasn't as fun as it is in Glenmore. And then everything else was okay. And I know Dan loves this market mechanic, which is a cool mechanic where you're putting stuff in a market, but then you need you don't know. You add stuff to the market without really knowing that it's going to sell because then you have to add salesmen to the market. And that was fun, but it wasn't enough to me to make up the fact that everything else about the game felt completely flat for me. It wasn't a bad game. It wasn't, I mean, I played some terrible games. Games that just were bad. Didn't work. Weren't not designed well, but just didn't work. This game worked. just wasn't fun. It was just very, it was very flat, dry. And I love dry. Like, I'm not, I love dry Souls Heroes, but this was a flat, uninspired Euro experience that I was, couldn't have disappointed me more, honestly. It was really heartbreaking that my boy oh. let me down, honestly. I got to say Kraftwagen like six Kraftwagen, times. Kraftwagen, yeah. I got to do you know, guys, I can't do longest unless Dan does it first. But <laughs> we got to Dan. I got to do our longest impersonations throughout the entire game, which is always fun. But well, I got to do my yeah, impersonation so of Dan impersonating Lonius. <laughs> but the game like, itself, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it until you do. It. I can't do it until you do it, and then I can imitate. Oh my god, you doing this is it. so cute. Oh, so it is. I acting. We're holding hands between. Unfortunately, strikes. what wasn't cute was Kraftwagen. Kraftwagen, yeah. It was just. It was just very okay. I it have to like, say, I, with four players, it, it wasn't as... I don't know if it was player count or if it was just... Like, we talked after the game, if it was just four analytic gamers getting into it kind of thing. But I thought my three-player game was much better than that one. Um, but the randomness of the cards was really kind of exposed in this game. Again, I don't know if this works itself out after more plays. We had kind of talked about how the engineers we didn't even bother with because it almost seemed like, hey, I need to upgrade my car. And especially upgrade your engine because the engine is twofold. It's either your race around the track or it's your put the car into the market. So it kind of, I don't know, the the decisioning between what to choose in that random element was kind of, I don't know, it was wonky for me that game. But I still give it, I'm going to give it one more shot because I'm not overly impressed. I went in with huge hopes just like Riddle did and seeing that it was developed by Spielworks as well. And I'm like, wow, this is going to be, 
there's going to be some heavy car building crap right here. And it was really light. Like I think I described in the last podcast, I thought it was lighter than Glenmore. And I love Glenmore. And That's probably true. And I don't like Glenmore, but I think I like Kraftwagen. I don't know. I don't hate it. Um, I think part of it was like immediately, like Matt takes his first turn. Ben's like, this game sucks. And then it was like a storm cloud of criticism for the next, I don't know, hour that we played. So that kind of colors your opinion, whether you like it or not. Like if you're sitting there, like I played broom service, um, five players. It took a little longer than I wanted it to play, but there were two people at the table that were just not having a good time. I think I love that game, but I don't know for sure because there were two people that really didn't have a good time. And that like affects me. I'm just like, I can't. Is this bad? I don't know. I feel bad for playing it right now. <laughs> bad and if you're so listening, that's... you ruined it for Tiff. <laughs> he will listen. And you have to understand that, that you know, I, I, I try very hard when I'm playing someone else's game to not trash it while playing because I, I don't want to ruin their experience. But we didn't have that filter with Dan because he's our boy. So we're like, screw you, Dan. We're going to trash your game while we play it. It was um, my game. It was Tiff's game. It was but... my game. <laughs> oh, I feel really bad now. But yeah, either you way, should. no, it's um, fine. You guys, I know when I sit down with you guys that there's going to be some criticism. And I mean, at a con, that's kind of what I like. I'm into. I want to hear people's opinions of the game, even as they play it, even if it's my game, even if they don't like it. Now, you guys criticize in a way that is actually somewhat fun to listen to. So that's like an extra. If you were just sitting there just totally hating it and not having a good time and crapping on it and not even letting us be friends during that time, <laughs> that would be worse. So <laughs> I. We're cool, but uh, I, I think I think the game is fine. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's terrible. It probably, honestly, it probably is fine. And it's just my expectations were too high. Mm-hmm. Seeing if it was my game, Tiffany, it's... you'd be racing around the track and you run into Cthulhu. <laughs> hey, you roll some dice and there'd be zombies. <laughs> and then there'd be Cthulhu. If it was my game. Cthulhu. But uh, otherwise, you know, I, do I think love it's, it. It's probably a fine game that I just had too high of expectations of. And, and honestly, the action selection fell super flat immediately. Yeah. Like it immediately fell flat. I do and like then the market, it was, though. So you're kind of like, okay, and I've done this. And then anytime too, like an, this is, again, probably a little bit of an analytics thing. But when you're starting to do comparative analysis against, when you reuse a mechanic like that and you can compare it negatively to its prior implementation, that's really tough. Because I'm immediately going, okay, this is a less fun than Glenmore doing the same thing. So why am I not displaying Glenmore? And that's that's my brain's doing that while I'm trying to see past it and enjoy the rest of the game. But it's okay. It's fine. It's probably fine. You know, I, I, don't I was expect... more distracted that we were having to play with a nickel as one of the tokens than like actually focused on the game. Yeah. One of my pieces got lost, and so we had to use a nickel, and it was devastating to me. Yeah, I fa- I miraculously found the piece, and it was not eaten by a dog. It was. It yeah, was I'm glad amazing. you did because I was like scouring the floor thinking that I, I lost it when I was setting it up. I was like, Dan, just stop. It's going to be okay. I got to learn how to process through these things. <laughs> so yeah. it's fine. It was fun. Either way. All right. Someone else talk about something they hate. I love it. The only game that I hated was Spyfall. So <laughs> everything else was fine. You didn't even play it. Well, the one game that I thought was a waste of time, and it wasn't a waste of time mm. because I learned a valuable lesson, was Parfum. Parfum? Mm-hmm. Perfume, whatever it's called. Pardum. Yeah. Uh, Queen Games, <laughs> I guess burn. this is new. What? And at least with four players, at least in 
the game that we played, not fun. So you get a number of actions corresponding to your player order. Higher up in the player order, like first, second, you get less actions than third, fourth. Uh, You use these actions. Your actions, you can either draft a die from this center pool of colored dice, or you can take a water token, which essentially just lets you re-roll a die. So those are the two things you can do with your actions. You draft a certain number of dice and you roll them. You are trying to get little perfume bottles. Three of the dice have a 50-50 shot. The other two dice um, have slightly worse odds in terms of getting the perfume bottle. If you don't get what you want, you spend water to re-roll them. If you run out of water and you still don't have what you need, your turn is over. Bummer, dude. Uh, If you do get what you need, then you take a little perfume bottle tile and you are either making a small perfume bottle or a large perfume bottle. These pieces have uh, little icons on them and you're trying to match the icons to sellers who will give you money if you have the right icons on your perfume. It is boring. It is completely dice-based and, like, luck-based. I'm so bored right now as you're explaining Yeah, like, I was trying to shorten it up. Um, It rewards being in last because if you're in last in points you get to pick your turn order first having six actions going last in the turn is more beneficial than having first pick um, by going first because you only get three actions going first so that was weird Um, there's no real interesting decisions it's basically there's a red seller there's a red perfume piece i'm gonna pick up red dice and try to get that red to sell to that red so there's no like clever play there's no carryover from round to round there's no blocking take that there's like zero player interaction it it was a waste of time i didn't Ooh. like it at all um i found it unengaging i found it light and not in a good way um it just wasn't interesting and there was a lot of people who liked it and i know tiff your game group apparently liked it right I didn't play it, but someone from my game group picked it up, and they were like, it's dicey, but it's fun, and you should play it. And now I'm like, I'm going to refuse a play, I think. I have taken on the persona of the Ameritrash dice guy, right? So you guys think that all I do is like sleep on a pile of dice, and I cuddle with them and things like that, which I do. But like even as a dice guy, didn't find this interesting. Couldn't get over the randomness. Like It wasn't... You everything's scripted and wrote and you're like, I have to take these colors. If I don't get what I need, I spend the water tokens like I'm supposed to and I get what I need to get or I don't. Steve literally one time said, I've got three actions. I pick these three dice. He rolled them and said, it's your turn. I didn't get anything like that. I can take my turn in 20 seconds. Get out of here. Well, and I think that's what like when when Dan told me you didn't like it because it was too random. I was like, ooh. yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See, like that's a that's not a compliment. For me it's yeah. not good so yeah that is my moment of negativity i actually found a game that i think is like it a waste of time too, to play because fresco is so good mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. parfum was one of the games that they were trying to get me to buy to get the elysium mat and i was like no i refuse <laughs> i will not buy this and normally dan was like oh, it's all dice and i'm like dan be nice let's try the game and i'm like crap Dan was right for once. Doesn't it always suck right. that Dan is right? Speaking of Dan being right, I bought Dark Moon and I opened it up. Ugh. I haven't played it. It's fine. But it has wooden dice. It's a space game with wooden dice. I don't know. There's something about that that just really bothers me. Now, are, are we going to talk about production problems? There were production problems. I mean, and I'll... I'll 
I'll put this out there that Stronghold Games is going to correct those production problems and there's really nothing they could do. They got the game shipped in, they opened it up at Origins and the player screens were not cut. So essentially when you open the box, it's just a flat piece of cardboard and it's not like there are lines where it's supposed to be cut so you could just bust out your scissors. Like you have to like measure and do things in order for that to happen. And then when I saw the, I opened it up and I saw the wooden dice, I was like, my copy of BSG Express has etched dice. But I was, it was just disappointing to open that box. I, I was glad that I didn't, that it sold out before I bought it. I was like, man, Dark Moon sold out. And then I heard and I was like, I'm okay with it being sold out because I didn't spend the money. But yeah, that was a, that was one of the low spots of the con in terms of purchases. I was really looking forward to it in a big way, so yeah. I don't know. Well, let's bring it back up. Let's round it out. Um, Did our, Dan our... get to poop on a game? Oh, Dan, please. I forgot. I poop on all games, apparently. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone tells me. I don't Dan think like anything. Negative. I was like, I have 250 games that I like in my collection. <laughs> so, like, I just I thought like a lot of the debuts at this con were lackluster. That's all. I, I won't get into too much detail, but. Uh, bring out your dead. I don't know. Uh, I, think I, I feel would the rather, same way. I, do I think too. I would have rather just sat in a graveyard and twiddled my thumbs than actually play <laughs> that game. Ben's gonna hear this, and I'm I'm sorry, Ben. I my Ben qualms. Ben, you picked up a, a lot really of people bad game. I know. I don't think it's a really bad game. All right, it's not a bad game. It's a really just. I don't find it an interesting game. Yeah. I yeah have... Maybe my hopes. Sorry, we're all no, talking over each other. No, no, right no, now. no. I, I was just uh, Matt Wolf really liked it bring out your dad and he's a guy that i trust but i admit that i think our tastes don't align a lot because he's you know he's a smart guy and i I do i trust his opinion but i'm not sure that it often agrees with me so i'm definitely you know i'm gonna i'd like to try it at some point because i've heard the production values are pretty good you know it's interesting that the story behind that game where upper deck picked a game that had failed on kickstarter basically right right. sadly yeah yeah, and then signed it and kind of revived it and then made a big deal out of it honestly so they must huge have saw something, deal. right? A huge <laughs> deal. So they obviously saw something that they thought was, you know, really sellable and cool in there, which makes me want to try it. But you know, I I've heard it's been pretty fifty fifty, honestly. Between <laughs> no one just, said it was awful. It was a lot of, eh, yeah. you know, yeah, it wasn't bad. It just bored me. I mean, maybe it's the same thing well, they saw in the NHL deck builder that really just brought yeah. it home for them. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. <laughs> It's the the thing that bothered me about it was I felt like, and maybe it's just I'm not good at games and I couldn't figure it out, but like you have a hand of cards that you all have. And I like that. I love simultaneous action reveal. And then there are other cards that you can get that are higher numbers that help you out. And, but you always have your hand, you have the whole thing. So there's no really predicting what people are going to play based on what they have already played. You have to predict it on where they're trying to go and what they're trying to do. And to me, that's less fun. Which which in a game of like 300 spaces is like, oh, where's he going to go? That one looks good. Well, see, and I felt the other way. We played this with Kyle and shout out to Kyle because gaming with him was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And like we just started talking about that. We started talking about that uh hand of cards that everyone has the five there's no reason to ever have the five you never play the five uh the higher cards are cool to me i felt like it was too predictable tiff and i understand what you were saying but it's obvious what everyone's trying to do because the only option is to get the coffins out there 
or right. do you play an action? I guess card? what I'm I'm saying is like I there's that there's no I don't know. I kept being like, okay, so play my highest card and then pick two other yeah. cards. Yeah. Like it's like it's it's totally it was on rails for me to yeah. a certain extent, and I felt like I wasn't making a whole lot of decisions, and it was just based on what right. cards could I get, how high are they? Okay, Dan has a twelve, so whatever I do doesn't matter, like that kind yeah. of a thing. And it was like, okay, there's five spaces for graveyard so that's not going to get it going to get back to me so play your highest card then don't play a seven because you'll lose it to the river play your two and your three and get an action card or something i literally picked my next turn before we had even started the current turn i was like next turn i'm going to play a seven a five and a six yeah or whatever it was and i was like okay now there were some clever maneuvers with the actions and part of the thing is that there was there's almost too many action options in there like all the cards do different things and they're a little confusing there's some interesting things where you can put put coffins certain places and move them around and move them in and out. But I couldn't keep it all straight. And my little like cheat card, I was like, okay, so I can move this one out here, but that one doesn't count if it's in the river and I have to switch mine and someone else's if there's this card. It it was very confusing, but I think there's some clever moves in there. The question is how many of those are you really going to get to do per, per game? Like you're going to do a couple interesting things and the rest of it is pretty much the same every turn. All right. So last one. Uh, Nations the Dice Game, overhyped, rather play Roll for the Galaxy. I'll leave it at that. Dan couldn't have said a better statement. I'm so excited. Uh, it doesn't mean I want to play Roll for the Galaxy. Nah, it just it means kind I of would means rather that. play Roll for the Galaxy than Nations the Dice Game. Not enough there. Decisions were kind of, eh. It's light. It's lighter than what I was expecting it to be, even though it's a dice game. But if you've ever played Nations the real game, it's kind of like the real game, the big box game, which I really like. It kind of gives you a nice slice of that and a feel for that, but without like, it's the filler version. I thought it was fine, but it might be overhyped. You might be right about that. All right, let's bring it back. Happiness, one word or just a game title, best purchase or demo of the con. Dan? My best purchase? Purchase or demo or both. I actually enjoyed every single game I purchased, so I was favorite. pleased with that. Demo, I didn't demo anything, so favorite would be Sansuchi. Matt Riddle. Monster Cake. Oh, I did like Monster Cake. Tiffany B. <laughs> oh, it's hard. I'm going to oh, go God. Broom Service. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, my best demo was Ashes. Ashes is cool. My best purchase, I think, was Letter Tycoon. Good price, good production value, fun game. Let's go with round this all out. Favorite con moment event. Make it sappy. Dan, best part of Origins 2015. Cuddling with that big fellow on the other line. There yeah. we go. <laughs> that oh, baby. I thought uh, it was either Spyfall or the monster game because getting slapped with a wooden spoon is always kind of kinky. Yeah, yeah. Matt, how about you? <laughs> I think it was Spyfall late was a lot of fun. Um, you know, like the second time we played when we were sitting outside the bar and it was just kind of a appropriate experience, I guess, with uh, that late at night with that group. So, and honestly too, not just cause I'm talking to you guys, but I get to play a lot more games with, uh, Dan and Tiff than I have in any, any past cons. I even got to game with Patrice a couple times, which I was looking forward to that. So pretty much that, you know, gaming with my friends. Very cool. Tiff. Yeah, I don't know. I'll go with Monster Tort. I mean, there's just something special about stabbing Joe Pinchback with a spoon that I enjoyed. (laughs) That is a good time. He's just such a calm guy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love gaming with that guy. (laughs) Yeah, Joe is awesome. 
I really enjoyed. Uh, thank you guys for asking us to lunch on the last day. Didn't get to. I saw you guys all con. Didn't play a single game with any of you. Uh, so that was weird because you were like ten feet away the whole time. But uh, I appreciated sitting down, having some lunch with you guys, and just chatting and being dumb. That was fun. And I also really liked Monster Truck Mayhem, which we are going to plug in. I'm alluding to a plug in a second, but Monster Truck Mayhem was awesome. Uh, I loved Ashes. Monster Truck Mayhem was probably the most fun demo, though. I just needed to confirm my pre-order of Ashes, though. Um, so that game is Ding. a riot, and <laughs> just roping people in uh, to play that game was a good time. So Thank you. It was fun for us, too. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. I'm going to run Matt Riddle through a special Keep Trade Burn, and then we're going to chat briefly about Monster Truck Mayhem before we wrap this whole show up. All right, we are back, and we're going to round up the show. Matt Riddle tweets all the time, and he says that he wants to be part of a keep trade burn. Well, I have prepared a keep trade burn just for this man. Awesome. And it is very special. So I've got two for you. All of these games are going to burn like crazy because they got lots of wood. Yep. yep. <laughs> I can guarantee that. And no soul. <laughs> I have a keep trade burn original style for you, and then I have a very special keep trade burn designer edition. Uh, so first up, Matt Riddle, keep trade burn. Well, do you know the rules? You know the rules to keep trade burn? I do. Okay. So you have to keep one, trade one, burn one. Let's go with Hansa Teutonica, Tigris and Euphrates, and Glenmore. Oh my gosh. That's so (laughs) I wish everyone could have just seen your face when he said Hansa Teutonica. Matt Riddle. You made the mistake of on your BGG profile putting your favorite three games, which is just the worst thing you can do before you come on the podcast (laughs) of Nonsensical Gamers. You know, I I, I probably... I'm going to take the easy one first. It's not easy, but just relatively comparatively. I'm going to burn Glenmore only because as much as I like it, it is so far behind Teeny and Hanza because those are like the mountaintop. Um, I'm going to go buy those keep trade burn rules from the last episode before Origins where I get to play at least once a month with whoever I trade it to. Okay. So I'm going to trade T&E only because um, only because I really love Hansa. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Hansa has a special place in my heart. Um, I love it. I play it. It's the one of the few games that my wife and parents like um, that I really, really like as well. And we still play it occasionally with my game group. So that's just one of my, that's like, I always say Teeny's my favorite game because it was the first game I fell in love with. You know, kind of like it's more of a retro love. Like I, Teeny was the first game, Tiger Genie Freddy's, that we played after, say, Settlers and, and Carcassonne and Power Group, which I love Power Group too, mm. that I truly was like amazed by. Like, oh my gosh, this game is awesome. So it holds a special place in my heart, but from a day-to-day basis, so I'm going to keep Hansa, Teutonica, Trade eggs and or uh, tigers and graders and burn the <laughs> thing and burn Glenmore, you know, begrudgingly because I like them uh, all. So very nice, very nice. Well, you handled that well, thank much, you, thank much you. better than Tiff normally does. Uh, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I give the people what they want. Are you gonna keep your oboe, burn your stand up bass, and trade your violin? Is that how oh, burn an oboe. No oh, one wants to say, hear you that. Have an oboe? I don't know. I just guess I you had an oboe. I Oboes see. are really expensive. Got it. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Oboe. Now, now Matt, you know. You are so special that we designed a whole new set of rules just for you. So this is 
Keep Trade Burn Designer Edition. So, three games that you mm-hmm. are very, very close to. Oh, jeez. The keep rule is that it Ding. stays available and in print forever. Okay. Forever and ever. The trade is that you have to sign over the rights to Hasbro, who has permission to make Monopolies out of it, Lord of the Rings editions of it, and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Awesome. To burn it is to burn every copy in existence. It is lost to the history books. Your game no longer exists. Got it. And those three games are Fleet, Eggs and Empires, and your newly released Monster Truck Mayhem. Okay, hold on. So (laughs) here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start with the negative one first. I love Eggs and Empires because it's our game and it's fun. But Fleet put us on the relative map, which is still a really tiny map no one ever looks at. But it's still a small little map. So I can't, I'll never be able to burn Fleet. It's like Dan's map above his head. We're like, <laughs> we're like in Siam. Like we got a little dot on Siam. So um, I'm going to burn Eggs and Empire simply because I want to be rich. So I'm going to trade Monster Truck Mayhem to Hasbro. And they're going to make like Star Wars pod racing Monster Truck Mayhem and give me a million dollars. And then we're going to keep Fleet because it's awesome. You just so took the most sensible approach. I was expecting, I was foolish enough to surprised? expect a more emotional response. No, and that was I silly just, of me. This guy is yep. devoid of emotion. Yeah, like this guy was like. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that is my. I like my fleet. I want to make money. Paper. I don't care about eggs and empires. Yes, I care. Just it, you know, that's the that's one that probably has the least chance to make me a millionaire. It's because everyone teases and, you about the theme. And, I was going to say, and the dumbest name. It kind of has a dumb name and theme. That's it. Still one of my favorite fillers, man. It is a good filler. It's a great filler. Thank you, Matt. Eggs and empires over sausage and pancakes. (laughs) (laughs) Burger, burger, pancakes. (laughs) Burger, burger. All right. Well, you handled that better than anyone who's ever done Keep Trade Burn, which is just the three of us. So really, you're one step above the three of us. It's not saying much. Sorry, buddy. It's all right. Thank you. Uh, let's go ahead and round out this show. Now, you have a game coming to Kickstarter on June 16th. That is about when this releases. Um, and it is awesome. It's simultaneous. But hold on. Why am I going to pitch the game? I got the man <laughs> right here. Give us your Monster Truck Mayhem pitch, one of the coolest sure. games coming out on Kickstarter. Monster Truck Mayhem is uh, real-time dice-rolling Monster Truck Madness, as I like to say. So it's full real-time, full simultaneous. You're racing monster trucks around the Super Mega Dome as fast as you can. Um, it's really, it's coming out with Dice Hate Me um, and then therefore greater than games. We're, we're pretty excited, honestly, because as much as like we just talked about, you know, we've, we've had a lot of other cool titles that we've been involved in. We've been really lucky to have success with Fleet. And Exit Empires is selling very well as well. But this is honestly the first game that um, is just completely non-euro really honestly i mean it's a bit of a departure for us but it's just because ben had this idea uh, ben pinchback my design partner playing with his boys you know he's got three boys three uh five-year-olds now turning six probably and they play monster trucks he's like how come there isn't a good monster truck game and there just aren't any and monster trucks are cool i mean they're just, they just they're just neat so we just set out to design a monster truck game and it just really went super well it went really quickly at the initial stuff and then we just began tweaking it and developing it so but the point is it's the whole game the short game takes seven minutes you play one race everyone's got cool truck powers like cthulhu crusher and truck door the burninator valkyrie um captain crabby the dice hate me truck and 
they all have unique powers, and you're rolling the dice as fast as you can as you fly around the uh, track. And you do one lap, takes about seven minutes, or you can do a long map that takes about 12 minutes. You can do a rally circuit that takes like a half hour, so you can play the game, and you'll be sweating and disgusting and just exhausted by the end. And it's just full real-time, full simultaneous, and it's a race. So you're so what crushing you're obstacles. And... I can play Monster Truck Mayhem instead of Workout? It, it is a workout. Like, it counts. Okay. Like, I think it's somewhere on my fitness pal. If you type it in. I was going to say, can I find it on my fitness pal? I, I bet you can. Like, all for right. me, it's like, all right, so I ate Taco Bell today, and then I had a Pepsi, and then I, I played seven minutes of simultaneous dice right. rolling. Okay. So hey, like, Matt. Richard here. Uh, Tiff, by the way, love you. Love your show. Um, I heard Cthulhu. Are you sure there's Cthulhu in this game? Are we going to be, is this map, are we going to be traversing this map for about three and a half hours of glorious time, fighting all the monsters of Cthulhu and doing all kinds of thematic stuff? Because that's what I do. And I play Monster Truck Mayhem and I don't know, it's no Arkham Horror. It just doesn't (laughs) work for me. I just needed more attacking. I just couldn't, the Cthulhu Crusher just didn't do anything for me. I appreciate that you took time out of your busy origin schedule to play our game because you did, and there's a picture of it on social media. You and Zev and the famous TC Petty the Third, um, and we, you know, I, there's a little bit of Cthulhu, you know, no zombies, unfortunately. Yeah, I was a looking little, for the little, zombie crusher, or no, the, just a little Cthulhu. The reawakening. You know, we did. We definitely did that as a uh, a call out to all of our gamer friends who enjoy, um, you know, that uh, that. The great dark ones or the old great, great old ones, the great yeah. old ones, the old people, the old <laughs> monster guys, you know. So, but no, I actually that's my favorite power. So, Cthulhu Crusher gets to make people go backwards, which is super funny and awesome. So, that's actually the cool part, too, is you know, it's a seven minute game, right? And, um, at its core, and again, we can expand it to make it like a half hour game or a 15 minute game, but on a play to play basis, play to play-to-play basis, it's about seven minutes. So we really wanted to come up with a bunch of cool ways to vary your play experience each time you play it. So each truck has its own power. You can The board is variable setup. It's modular. You can build different tracks each time. You can add in different obstacles like the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday cards where the first guy that reaches a tile has to draw a card. And then the best monster announcer voice read the whole card. Everyone has a blast with that. There's also some, we call them jokingly Mario Kart cards where when you cross a certain space, you draw a card and it gives you a little bonus. So there's a lot of things you can do game to game to really change how it plays. And uh, it's been a blast. Like, I love Captain Krabby. You know, we're trying to decide if he's OP or not. It's my favorite. Because he's the best. He basically gets to ignore slippery spots. We're a little afraid. You know, we've been doing a lot of testing with him lately just to make sure we may need to limit him a little bit. Maybe give him, like, three or four chances to break a spin out instead of, like, the whole course. (laughs) Because right now he just rolls through the whole course and it's pretty awesome. So we'll, uh, but we're... We're also coming up with a couple of cool trucks for stretch goals. You know, we're looking into maybe getting a truck based around the um, Sentinels, of the multiverse universe, and so yeah, it's 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 going to be a blast. I mean, I think it should do pretty well. I mean, no one knows anything about anything. I always say that because it's true. And there's literally like a billion dollars devoted to Kickstarter already this month. There's like 17 projects over 100k right now. So it's like at some point it's like, is there endless money or is it like we're all sharing them in the same pool? But who cares? It's going to work out either way. I'm, Everybody I'm go pull it. your zombie side Kickstarter backing and buy five copies of this game. Exactly. No, that's I would cool. recommend that. Me too. So yeah, go spend 120 bucks on like the third zombie side, which I'm sure is completely different than the other two zombie sides. Like, totally new and exciting. Yeah. I hope maybe it's like, gangbusters. It's so pretty. 
It is also. We haven't even pretty. talked about the amazing art on it. It is amazing. The King it of is Tokyo really artist, pretty. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the King of Tokyo guy did the trucks for us and the cover. Um, Benjamin Renal, and he crushed it. You know, he did. Benjamin. It's different than King of Tokyo, but it has that feel, the kind of cartoony, oversized, you know, in your face kind of just awesomeness. And then Chris Kirkman, who's the Dice Hate Me guy, is a fantastic graphic designer. So he brought the board together with a guy named Jeff Brown, who did all the landscaping work for us. So yeah, it looks it turned out fantastic, and it's, it's going to be, be the first huge. dragon. It's going to be the first dragon. Yeah. So pretty excited. So yeah, that's that's Monster Truck Mayhem. It's going to be awesome. It is a seriously awesome project. And Dan, we're doing a. Yes, I just want hey, Richard here. Oh jeez. Uh, before I let Dan <laughs> talk, Dan. Uh, I just was wondering if you could change the title to Monsters of the Mayhem. I think that would really sell. It could be part of my Defender series because if you haven't noticed, I defend a lot of things. Uh, the Last Stand, the Realm. And now the mayhem. That would be really good. Um, just just throwing it out there. Love y'all. Especially you, Tiff. Hey. <laughs> good idea. Um, Richard, we'll take that into, uh, you know, we'll, we'll think about that one a little bit and let you know. I just appreciate that Matt entertains it. <laughs> just, he talks back. He responds. <laughs> That's what con. we call an enabler. I know. Tiff and I the just con act quiet and, and ignore him. It is. I'm not ignore. I can't ignore it. It's. I'm seething. Is what I'm doing. Oh, I know, but we don't like engage him as Richard. We just move on. Oh. Matt's like, man, this is like talking to the real Richard Lonius here. Thank you for your <laughs> suggestion, fake Richard Lonius. <laughs> we will consider. We'll have a preview up on nonsensicalgamers.com, right? Oh, uh, yeah, we will. <laughs> we will have right something. after this podcast. We will have something written. This game is awesome. Go back. It sounds like the price is right. It's a good-looking game. It's a fun game. I, I'm i pumped. You're going to have my money, Matt Riddle. I'm going to make brother. you rich. Give it three thumbs up, six thumbs up. Sit. Where are you getting all them thumbs? You have two thumbs, and I have two thumbs, and Dan has at oh, least two thumbs. Oh, are we on a six-thumb system? <laughs> I didn't know that. All right. Now we are. Well, hey, let's get on like your show. It's kind of like handshake that we invented. <laughs> where you say huzzah. Our Viking warrior handshake. Anywho. Y'all are let's, nerds. Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to us, you can find us on social media at the podcast. Blah, 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 blah. You can find us on social media at Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can go to nonsensicalgamers.com to see all of our news and written content there. There's a BGG Guild, number 2077, where you can chat with us, and we'll have a topic up there about Origins 2015 and all the fun that we had. But if you really want to talk to us, Twitter is the way to go. Dan, if they want to reach out to you, where do they find you? At League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore Nad, if you're curious what I'm listening to in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Riddle, where can they find you? I am at M.D. Ridlin. That's M-D-R-I-D-D-L-E-N. And if you want to feel better about yourself, just tag him and he'll favorite it. And you'll be like, yes, I'm popular. People Almost like every me. time. That's uh, so good. <laughs> Favorites everything. It's everything. when he doesn't Starking. favorite it that you're just like, what did I say? What have I done? <laughs> no, it's like, it's oh, the no. worst feeling ever. You're like, wait, it's been five minutes and he hasn't clicked the star yet. What did I <laughs> Did I offend him? Should I delete that tweet immediately? What, what's going on? <laughs> Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's putting his kids down to bed. I it's don't not know. acceptable. Bring your phone. <laughs> Tim, <laughs> <laughs> if they want to find you, they, the proverbial, proverbial they, where are, uh, where are you on the interweb? 
I am at inept gamer on Twitter mostly. Uh, excellent, and I am at cinnamon buns. Good luck with that. Although Eric Handler found me, so if he can do it, anybody can. We will be back next week with a broadcast news post about what's going on in life, and we'll probably feature Monster Truck Mayhem on Kickstarter Spotlight again. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, everyone. Say say your goodbyes. Toodles. Bye. See ya. Later. Bye.